Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the world's most fantastic podcast. It's Uncanny Tracks covering the John Hickman Fantastic Four run. This week, it is volume four. It is the storyline called Three. It is issues number 583 through 588. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. We are a part of Uncanny Tracks. Matt, how are you doing this evening? Doing great, Bob. Four become three. Someone become to three. Die. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, we do have a, a countdown to casualty. I guess we have that countdown in lieu of the Hickman text pages, Matt. That was a question last week, and I didn't remember if the text pages came back. And indeed, they they at least did not continue. They'll probably be back again before the series is over, but they did not continue into this arc. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of room for them to put text pages here. Not as much to explain, I think. It's interesting because the three does have the meaning of, oh, it's about to be the Fantastic Three. But it also does have the meaning of there's three big ongoing stories, right? Like you say, it's a pretty crowded arc in that sense. Uh, we should also say uh, in the past, we've had Neil Edwards and Dale Eaglesham on art. For this arc, we have the great Steve Epting. Have you ever heard of Epting, Matt? Probably, Bob, but I don't remember what he's done. Uh, he's most famous for drawing the Captain America run that Ed Brubaker did where he brought the Winter Soldier back. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've read part of that. Yeah, so that was a that was a few years before this one. We can go ahead, since we've got a lot of issues to cover today, the arc may be called three, but it's actually six issues. We'll start with a 583, three part one, in Latveria, flowers bloom in winter. Matt, what happens in that uh, issue number 583? So while the Fantastic Four deals with the problem with a mole city in a very Star Trek-sounding neutral zone, Ben gets transformed back into his primatish state for longer, Valeria meets the Council of Reeds and cuts a deal with her godfather Doctor Doom, and Silver Surfer discovers the grave of the future Galactus from the Miller and Hitch run. Do you like uh, Doom's concern for his goddaughter Valeria's manners? Yeah, Doom's big on manners, Bob. You gotta learn something from your uncle. I had to look this up, but in this... In this issue, Doom is, has some mental damage, which Valeria notices from his tics and his, his struggle, his trouble speaking. And so the deal they cut is that Val will cure Doom in exchange for Doom helping her help her father. Um, but that this original damage to Doom's mind apparently happened in Greg Pak's run on Incredible Hulk. I think in this story are called The Fall of the Hulks, which I have not read, so I can't give you any more context for. Okay, so Doom got to be done by the Hulk, probably, and that's why he's got brain issues. It has to do with a group of future intelligences maybe trying to do something to banner in Doom's minds because they're two of the greatest minds on the planet. I, I, I don't really know, though. So you just didn't get a concussion? It's not... We can go ahead and talk about this here since it's natural. So in this in this issue, Doom is planning to abdicate the Latvian throne because he doesn't feel capable of it anymore after Fall of the Hulks and his brain damage. And so he's uh, going to bring Kristoff Virnoff in as his regent. Do you know who Kristoff is? That's his son, right? Uh, it's his, his adopted son. Adopted son. And I didn't know this, but while reading up a little on Kristoff to explain him, apparently Kristoff is actually a son of Nathaniel Richards. And so he's actually Reed's half-brother, in addition to being Dude's adopted, Doom's adopted son. Good Lord. That's a whole lot of connections. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of connections. Kristoff definitely has been Doom in earlier runs, I think in the 70s and the 80s. And I think 
he's also been the king of Latveria before when he was Doom, so this wouldn't be Kristoff's first run as the king of Latveria, I'm pretty sure, although maybe somebody who's more into FF continuity than I can correct me. So, Bob, we also get to see the Silver Surfer in this issue. Yeah, I I wanted to ask, did you know why Silver Surfer would find the death of Galactus unacceptable since they've frequently been antagonists? I mean... Galactus is really supposed to die, right? Is he... When I wrote this question, I was assuming that the Surfer wasn't Galactus's herald at this point, but I was wrong about that. You know, it seems like the Surfer is back to being Galactus's herald at this point in continuity, which comes and goes, as you might imagine. But like you're saying, Galactus is supposed to be a universal constant, like death, and so even even though the Surfer is horrified by what Galactus does and what he's helped Galactus do, he all also thinks that it's an inevitability and that he has to exist in some form. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. So, I mean, how can he be dead? That's, they they need an answer, which they eventually get an answer. I think. Anything involving New World mm -hmm. doesn't work for me. Well, we also get an answer too, right? Because I believe the answer that we get later is basically just an explanation of the plot of the Miller hitch run. So... Right, which but, I'm still just anytime they mention New World, my brain shuts down a little bit. That's <laughs> that's exactly what mine does. We are of accord with that. Okay, I'm glad we're still I'm glad we're still on that same page because I, I don't know what's going on with New World. Did I complain to you last week about I tried to read the Millar Hitch or the Miller Hitch Run? I think you did. Yeah, the first or second page of the second issue, they're doing social Darwin man it's like reed richard's gonna get out his calipers and start doing phrenology next like what i don't want to read this yeah that's that's something to avoid there's a cool image of a dead galactus that's about all it has going for it that actually is a cool image you've got to give it to him Uh, you got to give it to him for that although maybe that image might be a hickman creation galactus dies in the miller hitch run but does reed bury him in the miller hitch run i don't know good point so maybe we can save face with this dead Galactus thing by saying that, oh, that, this was actually a Hickman creation. <laughs> now we have to go back and look, Bob. Thanks for that. I, uh, nah, nah. I'm just going to pretend, Matt. I'm just going to okay. pretend. It's a, it's America in 2024. Reality can be whatever I want it to be. All right, Bob. So let's move on to the next issue. <laughs> All right. Number 584, three, part two. Congratulations, Mr. Grimm. You're handsome again. Matt, what happens in 584? So Ben takes the cure that we mentioned in the last volume and hangs out with Johnny, Sue. Sue has a tense encounter with Emma Frost, and Reed has an even tenser encounter with Silver Surfer and his master. Matt, do you want to itemize Ben and Johnny's day out for us? Yeah, so Ben and Johnny go on this day out, human Ben now. They go to a Giants versus Eagles game. They have dinner with Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, who are supposed to be old friends. They play poker with Captain America, Hawkeye, Spider-Man. And then they uh, discover that the Yancey Street gang is now made up of a busted former dot-com executives. And uh, eventually Ben gets it on with his, uh, his on-again, off-again girlfriend, Alicia. So, good times. Yeah, I, I did a little research trying to figure out what the status of Ben and Alicia's relationship was at this point. And I think they're not together at this point, but I'm really not sure. She, I believe she was at Franklin's birthday party in our first episode. And I think there was a Thing solo series a few years before this. And if I remember right about that Thing solo series written by Dan Slott, she had another boyfriend 
But at the end, she and the boyfriend split up, but she and Ben were immediately getting back together. I think that's what went on in the thing so was serious. I think uh, they're just friends at this point, but who knows. At number 585, we've got three-part three. It's Kings of Atlantis, exclamation point. What, what goes on in Kings of Atlantis, Matt? So Sue pushes Namor to an egalitarian settlement with old Atlantis. Reed must travel with Galactus. Human Ben teaches the future Foundation kids a lesson in the limits of smart. And Annihilus's followers prepare to storm the Baxter building to return to the negative zone. Well, we finally get that explanation of future Galactus and New Earth Bob as Reed explains it to present-day Galactus. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like present-day Galactus's reaction is not dissimilar to ours of, what is this Mark Miller garbage? Yeah, what is this New Earth? And, and I need to go get in my spaceship to go destroy it. <laughs> yeah, never... I never thought I would endorse destroying or eating a world, Matt, but that was before I met New Earth. I mean, maybe this is just a way to get New Earth off the, off, off the map because it was very annoying. I, couldn't, I just don't like New Earth. And Galactus' spaceship, what, what the hell is up with that thing? It's made, it looks like it's made by like two-year-olds. It's like a bunch of, it's like an Erector set. It's at a it's at a size and dimension that strains your puny human mind. Uh, Galactus instructing Reed to attend him is very cool, very masterly. And I also really do like how this arc as a whole and this issue kind of just do like the Fantastic Four. It's always like one thing after another after another, right? So Reed isn't even going to get to see Ben in his human form. He'll get to see him next year but he, he won't get to see him in his human form this year it was sad Epting does a good job of showing reed be moved when johnny tells him that he's in the human form oh yeah yeah it's just kind of strange that ben shows this time but i guess things were okay until well not really because sue was leaving i don't know like yeah like, but I mean, why did ben decide so to take it now well, because nothing was going on, and Sue's always going to be going and doing things, and Reed's always going to be locked in his lab. It's not... just seems like there was a lot going on. He should have just chilled with that for a minute. Yeah, but there was nothing going on in the uh, prior issue. They just spent the whole day out. Yeah. Um, I, I do like how Hickman has structured this arc. He's slowly stripping away the FF to the point where, really, it's just Johnny left. Sue's negotiating with Namor. Reed is going with Galactus. Ben is human. I wonder how, I, I don't know how it would feel to read this not knowing that the Human Torch is, uh, spoilers, going to die. It was a pretty covered thing back in comics media when it, this happened. And so when I read this run a few years ago, I was aware that Human Torch was the one who was going to die. Okay. I guessed him in the last episode we recorded, but I, I really had no idea. I just assumed he would be the one to go. He's kind of the most annoying of the four. Yeah, in a certain way, he seems like the one who Hickman is least interested in. Even though he does give him good stuff, he seems like yeah. the one Hickman's least interested in. I, I also, speaking of the Reed and Galactus exchanges, I really did enjoy Reed Richards' We Have to Talk About Your Son. <laughs> and, and also Galactus really booking it out of the solar system because he's scared of Franklin. That's a great touch. Well, Bob, Namor does some crazy shit in this episode, in this comic. Yeah, so in this issue, he betrays Sue. He's been lying to her and pretending to begrudgingly agree with her deals. And he just straight up murders the Fish King with his trident in front of her. I was not really surprised by this, Bob. Namor is like a really good reality TV star. And you can't trust him. He just really wants to win. And he's charming in his assholery. So 
<laughs> he's got that going for him. Matt, what you're saying is that we should uh, rename the uh, the Sue Storm sections of the story like Real Monarchs of Atlantis or Real Housewives of Atlantis. Oh yeah, that'd be. I, I would totally watch something like that. They should put. They should just put Samariner on Big Brother and see if he lasts. Well, Matt, I think we have a, a theme line for issue 586, uh, which is three, part four. It's called World Eater. And the theme line is Galactus says about New Earth, who tests God and does not wager their life, which I really liked. Yeah. So the, the Fantastic Four face down gods, or at least old races, as Galactus begins consuming New Earth. Sue holds a bubble to prevent Namor's elimination of the old Atlanteans, and Johnny tries to stop Annihilus' bugs. So were you surprised slash did you buy Namor's explanation for his treachery toward the old Atlanteans? I didn't. I, I didn't buy it, but the idea was that Sue was supposed to be a sacrifice for them based on their old ways. I, I kind of just think that maybe that was true of them a long time ago, but not now. I agree with them. I think Namor just did it because he wanted to make a power move. And this was a yeah, way to so it's Sue on his side. He he sees Sue. Yeah, he thinks Sue is going to be there, some sort of like Fisher King or sacrificial victim or you know deposed monarch for a ritual or something. And also he you know just says that the Atlanteans destroyed all written records of these old Atlantean races, but you know the oral history of them has been passed down king to king. And so Namor says that they were treacherous. Uh, destructive uh, unreasonable uh, people in years past before they got banished under the ice it sounds like namor though so <laughs> man man just no, no no sympathy for namor despite his charmingness huh nope none oh man and th this will uh, come to play in uh, the next issue even more but man uh, young bentley does love his bombs yeah bentley has obviously experienced trauma in his life which we've witnessed it's just he just loves bombs but I, 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 he has, but also can a boy just have a help, a healthy and loving relationship with his bomb, Matt? Does it have to be more than that? If, if he, if he wants to, I think he needs to talk to somebody about it. All right. So let's go ahead and move into issue number 587, three part five, last stand. Uh, Matt, I, I gave you a really easy one for this. Yeah. This is literally just where everything comes to a climax and we end up with the death of Johnny Storm. I guess before we get there, were you surprised that the old Atlanteans are now recognizing Sue as their regent or their queen since the uh, Fish King entrusted his two children to her? Yeah, I knew they weren't going to recognize Namor as their anything, so I guess going to have to go with Sue. <laughs> and then, Matt, you, you had a New World observation? Yeah, so, uh, you know, as, as my, I don't like New World. I'm glad it's going away and Galactus is eating it, but... I just want to point out how disturbing Mother X is with her giant ass head. Yeah, uh, which I th I think was already disturbing, but now that apparently it's got like the souls of everybody in New World, it's uh, extremely large. <laughs> yeah, she's like packing everything into her brain, and it just makes it bigger and bigger. It just uh, it was an odd, an odd character look, an odd looking character. Yeah, yeah. My favorite bit in this issue is when uh, Young Leech starts yelling "punch, punch." And a human Ben just assumes that, like, Leech is, like, cracking under the pressure. But Valeria <laughs> has figured it out and so knocks him upside the head with a wrench. That allows uh, Franklin to use his god-level powers against the bugs. Valeria points out that there's a reason that Reed made Leech Franklin's roommate and that uh, Leech has been following Franklin around for the whole series to this point. 
Yeah, that explained a lot because I could never figure out his power set. And then now that I know that, oh, okay, Leech has been leeching it from him, that's why we don't really get a clear understanding of what, or at least I didn't get a clear understanding of what he could do. It varies, but usually it is portrayed as he can shape and control realities and universes. A lot of this leading up to the death of Johnny Storm is they have to get to the other side of the portal. They have to close the gate on that side. Oh no, there's no way they can close the gate on that side. Somebody has to stay behind and close the gate. And you have Valeria strategizing with Alex and uh, Bentley. Did you find that stuff riveting and persuasive or did it just seem obviously placeholders? To me, it seemed like obvious placeholders. <laughs> we knew what this was going to come down to. Either Ben or Human Torch were going to be the ones to take the fall. One of them was going to have to stay on the other side. Yeah, yeah. To some extent, Hickman might even be commenting on, like, tropey superhero deaths have gotten. It's so clearly a marketing scheme with the countdown. But on the other hand, even though he's pointing out that it's so contrived, he does actually manage to wring real emotion out of it. Yeah, I mean, there is some emotion there. The last couple of pages are very emotional, this issue. I appreciate the way they did it. And they leave it... He left it somewhat open-ended with the art because you don't see Johnny Storm, you know, ripped to shreds. But yeah, <laughs> you get which the is maybe he, just he didn't tasteful, but also yeah, leads open the possibility for return. Which is what most comics do. They're not just going to have a definitive end there and you see Johnny's head ripped off. One of the things I really like about this issue is Valeria being very practical about it, but you get the whole the sense the whole time that she knows it's going to be her Uncle Johnny that she leaves. And I, I like that. It's one of the things that mystifies me. People don't say this anymore after Hickman's X-Men run, but before his X-Men run, Hickman had a reputation as a real bro writer, which on one hand, I can see how that would happen. But on the other hand, man, he writes Sue and Valeria so well. I don't get how he got that reputation. Sue and Valeria are definitely some of the better characters in the, in the run that so far up to this point. I'm more interested in them and their stories, honestly, than I am the three yeah, yeah. Any other thoughts about uh, the death of Johnny? The only thing I want to point out is that if they would have gone with Ben Grimm dying, that would have been somewhat of a cop-out because, you know, Ben was in his human form. And mm -hmm. if they would have killed him in his human form, and then you, you kind of pan away the same way they did in the comic for Johnny, and you don't know if he died or not, mm -hmm. you, you would eventually realize that, oh, he survived somehow by turning back into the thing right before they started attacking him and it, some magical way of this thing's powers are stronger now he's more invulnerable i don't know there's something they could have done yeah. there with that so i'm it, glad it, they didn't it, go that could have done you could have maybe done something interesting too with him like re-becoming the thing in the negative zone would that mean something different right that would have been another yeah. option although it, it also does make it kind of elegant that he is in his human form because if he had been in the thing form it would have been a lot more difficult for Johnny for Johnny to sacrifice himself, right? Right. And so that, you know, it puts to what, whatever else you, you can say about Hickman, the man plots really intricately, right? So it, Yeah. Well, that was all, that was intentional of, for yeah. sure. I mean, there's no doubt yeah, about that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's good. Um, all right, Bob, so this final we, issue is a very yeah. quiet issue. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly a silent issue. There's a backup story with dialogue, but it's mostly a silent issue. Um, it's drawn by Nick Dragata, who becomes hit one of Hickman's longtime collaborators. Uh, they do, I believe, East of West together, which was a very good image series, although I wasn't super satisfied by the end. But overall, it was still a very fascinating image series. So this is, yeah, the epilogue to three. It's called The Month 
the morning. And I, I would say, too, before you run down the events, we were saying a little bit earlier, at least I was saying, that Hickman's kind of commenting on the tropes of the superhero death. And I feel like you see that a little here, too, where this is the morning issue, and it's, it's also the last issue for now of Fantastic Four. And so he just supercharges all of the events that you expect out of a superhero funeral morning period in superhero comics. He condenses it into one issue, but he also takes away the dialogue, which maybe is to make it seem less cliched. And it just lets Dragata's like beautiful art, beautiful acting carry it instead of the dialogue, which is an interesting choice. Right. I appreciate the issue. It's almost like you're paying respect to Human Torch by a moment of silence. I didn't think about that, but that's exactly right, too. Reed and Sue are clearly not talking for a period in the comic, and so that plays into it, too. In the plot of this silent issue, we'll go through it, but just to give you an idea of what's happening on the pages, Kristoff reascends to the throne of Latveria. Ben agrees with Thor and Hulk. Reed decides to reform the council. Val gives the Future Foundation a new project, Killing Annihilus. Nathaniel returns, Spider-Man explains to Franklin how he also lost an uncle, and Hickman channels Stan Lee in a text page announcing the book is becoming the future foundation. What of that issue stood out to you, Matt? Uh, the whole Spider-Man talking with Franklin about how they've both lost an uncle, but that was interesting. It had a really cool visual of Franklin on a spot, like a swing made out of webs <laughs> while he talks to him and eating yeah. hot dogs. But that was he's eating a hot dog sitting yeah. on a weeb uh, a web swing under a gargoyle yeah it's very sweet who else gets that kind of therapy it's amazing <laughs> nathaniel it, returning it is, it is, that is whatever yeah. that guy just keeps coming back his gimmick his yeah. just shows like, up oh, look grandpa's back val well, seems it's scary though at this point she's gonna have some crazy shit going on to kill a nihilist. i don't know what but that'll be neat to figure out yeah, they're really, they're really teasing us with supervillain Val in between her having the deal with Doom earlier in the arc and her taking all these kids to a really dark place. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, we need to murder this guy. <laughs> I do think it's interesting to think about the Spider-Man and Franklin stuff in the sense of, it, it, you wonder, and this is maybe ruining it because this is getting more sinister, but you almost wonder if Reed set him up to have this conversation because... Franklin is coming into his God powers again. So oh. Spider-Man has given him the great power, great responsibility talk. Oh, man. Yeah. And doesn't, correct me if I'm wrong, this may be way off, but doesn't Spider-Man eventually join the Fantastic Four after this? Or is that before? He does. He does. Yeah, okay. yeah he does. Um, and the only reason I know this is because there's a lot of unlockable costumes in video games. And I know one of them is a future Foundation outfit. Which I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. He, he joins, although in a sense it's maybe more he joins the Future Foundation in this iteration than he joins the the Fantastic Four, if that makes sense. That does make sense, yeah. Although may, I, can't, I, I actually can't remember how they explain it, but a few other people are going to join the Future Foundation too, in, including Nathaniel, which is interesting that only John Hickman would be more interested in Nathaniel Richards than Johnny Storm. This guy with uh, flying, uh, flying firepowers, eh, he's boring. I, you know who I want? I want the, uh, I want the old man time traveler with uh, such convoluted continuity. Oh, Reed Richards' dad. That's who I want. The interesting difference between Reed and Val is that their response is like both to turn to other people, but with Reed, it's his response is to turn to other versions of himself, while with Valeria, it's to turn to her classmates, which I think is the interesting contrast. Oh, that is interesting, yeah. I didn't think about that. Although, like we said, with Valeria, it's darker, right? Because... Oh, yeah. Valeria's got issues. 
Yeah. But yeah. I'm, I'm surprised they did, that Reed didn't set up anybody to talk to Valeria. <laughs> but she just sought out Doctor Doom herself. Everybody does know at this point that that Franklin's powers are back because of the showdown with the with the bugs from the negative zone. Oh yeah, Johnny even comments on how good he is with him, how he's doing it correctly. In that sense, Spider Man wouldn't necessarily had to have been set up by Reed. Any, anything else about the silent issue? Matt? Nothing for that last issue, Bob. But let's let's talk about the series, the the volume as a whole. Yeah. Favorite visual. I really like the visual of the final issue of Reed looking defeated and realizing how many different threats he's facing because it just keeps showing up on the computer. And I, I don't know what computer system keeps up with this crap, but apparently everything's at a high <laughs> level right now. We were saying that there are no text pieces, but that list in the silent issue is kind of a text piece, isn't it? And yeah, it does feel very defeating. It, it was interesting. I believe this was in the first issue where Valeria breaks into her father's, his Mr. Fantastic logs, as it were. They're not just recordings, but it seemed a sort of artificial intelligence of Reed that can't answer questions about it. That really is what I think it's supposed to be meant. It's meant to be. But I think it's more of a way of almost showing a thought bubble for Reed Richards at this point, just in a different manner. Like, oh, this is, yeah. you know, this is what Reed's thinking about all of this, these things that are on high priority. Very much so. Very much so. For me, my favorite visual would be the last page of 586, which is the splash page of the negative zone bugs busting through. Feels very event horizon. I really enjoyed it. Good job, Steve Epting. Bob, when it comes to favorite dialogue, I already mentioned this once, but it's when Franklin and human human thing, human Ben Grimm and Johnny Storm were all, you know, trying to fight off the bugs and they have this one page this one page a splash, it looks amazing of all three characters mm -hmm. doing their power thing. or Well, in this case, Ben has a gun, but everybody's doing something, and uh, Franklin's using his powers, and Ben and Johnny says, that's it, Franklin, you're doing just fine. That was almost like the last words he needed to hear before he died. Good uh, good uncle and nephew time. My favorite also was Johnny, but um, it was a scene we skipped over just because I want to talk about it here. But in the issue, I believe it was 580. Three was it? No, five eighty four. Uh, in the issue where Ben takes the the kid's serum to cure him for the week a year, at first he's like, "It didn't work," and Johnny's, "Oh God, Ben, it's even worse. It's even worse." Yeah. And Ben looks into a mirror and sees himself and gets furious. It's so funny. Johnny's such an all the time. I don't know. It's one of those. It's a good job, and it's sometimes hard to strike the right the right balance. But it's really mean, but also really funny. Bob, my favorite issue of this volume is issue 587. That's the, the climactic issue where everything goes down. That's that's the best issue of this, in my opinion. It's, it's a great issue. It's a great issue. Uh, very, very few uh, superheroes get a death as cool as the Human Torch. And then um, I, I'll say, though, I, I really like 58. As much as I like Steve Epting art i think i like nick dragata's art better and just watching the just watching dragata's acting having to carry the issue i thought was very powerful now bob my favorite character this week though is going to go to sue because of how she's handling the uh, the whole thing with atlantis and with namor putting namor in his place yeah yeah it is interesting we made the connection earlier about the similarities in handling sue here and then it, in handling uh, Storm and Sword and X-Men Red under the Hickman era. But I, we, we definitely see some differences, too. And ultimately, I would have to say Hickman riding Sue as queen is, is proving to be more satisfying than Al Ewing riding Storm as queen. 
Now, Bob, I guess we did not choose a favorite character last week. I, di- I didn't say my uh, favorite character for this week, so oh. I- I'll give it to Ben. He gets uh, so much uh, pathos this week um, between being human, between lose- losing his best friend. So I- I'll give it to Ben this week. Now, Bob, last week I think we didn't do a favorite character, so we need to go back and do that. Yeah, we totally forgot. So who is your favorite character for last week? Man? I'm just going to go with crazy Nathaniel Richards. That dude's just crazy in that, in that, in that yeah. last volume. So not the Nathaniel Richards who returns at the end of our last issue, but the evil hunting crazy Nathaniel Richards. Yes. And then uh, I'll go with College Doom. I love that College Doom is a Nietzschean. I love that College Doom is basically just Doom, but a little younger. It's, it's great. All right, Bob. So where does this take us uh, now? All right, so, you know, like the kind of lengthy Stan Lee-inspired text piece at the end of 588 says, which is also funny implicit joke between having a silent issue and then having a verbiose Stan Lee-style text page. But we're going uh, to a new series called Future Foundation. We'll be in Future Foundation for 11 issues, which for our purposes is two episodes. And then Fantastic Four will start back up at 600 and then Fantastic Four and Future Foundation will run parallel for about two trades worth of issues each. So we'll, I think ideally you're supposed to read the issues interspersed, but I think we'll just read the Fantastic Four trade, then the Future Foundation trade. And I believe that works as well. That's how I read it a few years ago, but that's all way far in the future, building a foundation for the future, if you will. All you need to worry about for next time, dear listeners, is the first five issues of Future Foundation Volume 1, which is also a trade called Future Foundation Volume 1. All right. Just for my clarity, Bob, does this mean that the fi- the Fantastic Four comic changed its name to Future Foundation? Well, they cheat with it because it's a new number one, but then they count the 11 issues of it to the numbering to get Fantastic Four to 600. That's what I, that's what I need a clarification on. So, so technically they did change the name and they did redo the numbering. They did the same thing with Detective Comics, I believe, during New 52. But, but they then go like after, so, you know, you have the build up to Fantastic Four 600, then it's Fantastic Four 600, 601, and so on. And then it's Future Foundation 12, Future Foundation oh, wow. 13. Yeah. That's way so that's what I would for anybody. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if if I remember correctly, you can read it like in a month to month order, or you can read it in the trades, and either makes sense. Okay, well that's that's very different than what I'm used to. That's neat. And it is. It does like so. The first eleven issues, if I'm remembering correctly, will be like focused on the Fantastic Four plus the Future Foundation kids. Whereas when the title split back to having Fantastic Four and Future Foundation, Fantastic Four is focused on the Fantastic Four. Future Foundation is focused on the kids. Okay. Well, I guess that makes sense. It's just a weird like way it's being done. I don't know. It's like Future <laughs> Foundation was birthed from, <laughs> from the Fantastic Four and spent several issues within the Fantastic Four <laughs> to only yeah, birth yeah. its own thing. Yeah, and you should... It's literally birthing a comic. That's so weird. Yeah, it is funny. It is funny. And then I think I might have us, when we finish Hickman, There's we could do three other episodes on the Future Foundation, but those other episodes, they they overlap with Fantastic Four comics that are going on at the same time, but you don't have to read 
those Fantastic Four comics to read those Future Foundation comics. And Sounds like Krakoa. I also think those Future Foundation comics are maybe a little better than what was going on in the FF comics in their era. All right, Bob. Well, I look forward to it. All right. How many times can I say Future Foundation and Fantastic Four? We will see. Uh, join us next week for Future Foundation uh, numbers one through five. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. RIP to the Human Torch. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.